0: Hello, and welcome to this FRDH, First Rough Draft of History podcast. I'm Michael Goldfarb. I try not to put dates in these podcasts because I hope that they will have ideas that aren't tied to a specific point in time, and that a listener who finds their way to them in a year, or hopefully ten years, won't feel the ideas have aged. But in this case, I will make an exception— The state funeral for Qasem Soleimani was held yesterday, January 6, 2020, in Tehran. And while it was going on, I spoke with author and journalist David Patrykarakos. Patrykarakos has some Iranian ancestry, studied in the country, and wrote the book on Iran's nuclear program. And I wanted to ask him what he thought might happen next, particularly with the nuclear deal and the deeper geopolitical implications of the killing— a fancy way of saying what role the Iranian regime's partner in the region, Russia, might play in the coming months. David Patrick was on the road somewhere when I caught up with him down a line. We had both been watching the scenes from Soleimani's funeral in Tehran. Patrick Karakos was impressed.
1: I was looking at, at footage of the crowds that were gathering in various Iranian cities, and it is, it is actually remarkable. Now, we have to understand there's people saying that, you know, this has been coerced, or this is a regime Potemkin like crowds and the fact is there are hundreds of thousands and actually in total probably millions of people out on the street and you just can't coerce that um, because people don't come out onto the street in that degree of numbers unless someone is genuinely popular there is genuine anger at his death but it has provided a, a sort of rallying solidifying unifying point for the regime one which they badly need because you have to understand that the Islamic Republic is under huge pressure. The Islamic Republic is under more pressure than at any other time since it came into existence, apart from the Iran-Iraq
0: war. For months prior to the Soleimani hit, young Iranians had been in the streets demanding economic changes and better governance. Hundreds have been killed. The theocratic regime was under pressure. If the strategic goal of the Trump administration is the collapse of the regime, killing Soleimani has actually strengthened it. There's another way in which recent events have had an unintended effect. Iran will now step away from the JCPOA, the painstakingly negotiated agreement to stop Iran's pursuit of nuclear weapons, although, David Patrick thinks, not entirely.
1: Well, look, I mean, we have to understand that the, the, the problems of the JCPOA did not begin with with the, the strike on Soleimani. They began when, when Trump uh, abrogated it, when Trump essentially walked away from the U.S. commitment to it. Now, this didn't destroy the deal. Remember that the deal was between Iran and the P5 plus one, the four Security Council powers plus Germany. But it meant, in, I mean, in reality, even though the deal is between Iran and the P5 plus one, the only person that matters on the other side is America, is the United States. Once the United States walked away, it was very difficult for the deal to continue, especially since it stopped the sanctions relief, which was the reason that the Iranians made the deal in the first place. So the Europeans were desperately trying to keep it alive. And now after the assassination of Soleimani, actually what Iran has said, we have to be very careful, what Iran has said is it's going to abandon all restrictions on enrichment, which were obviously at the center of the JCPOA. It hasn't said that it's walking away from the deal. It said it's going to restart them, Essentially, it hasn't said for the time being, but it's going to restart them. But it hasn't, you know, it's, it hasn't said we're, we're scrapping the deal. We're walking away for it. But for the moment, it's going to restart them. So obviously, uranium enrichment is one of the paths to a nuclear bomb, the other being plutonium, uh, plutonium production. So what it's doing now is it's, it's, it's putting in place uh, processes that could see it get a nuclear bomb once again. So this is to be expected, given what happened. Uh, what Iran has done now, obviously, is it's I mean, I, you know, the Supreme Leader, Ali Khamenei, has vowed revenge. So it's a very, very critical time, both in Iran and I would say to a lesser degree in the United States. And we simply are not sure what will happen next. But what does happen next is going to have regional and possibly global ramifications.
0: One of the JCPOA signatories is Russia, which worked closely with Soleimani and Iran in propping up the Syrian regime of Bashar al-Assad. Patrykarakos' most recent book, War in 140 Characters, came out of his field reporting on Russia's invasion of Ukraine in 2014. He knows Russia. So what influence might Russian President Vladimir Putin have on the Iranian regime?
1: Certainly I think that Putin uses anything to his benefit. I think that anything that destabilizes the United States or knocks it off equilibrium is, is of a benefit to him. Uh, I mean, he, you know, he's sort of in a slight competition with Iran in Syria. He basically wants the Iranians gone now to leave the Russians essentially in, in de facto control of their what has become their an Iran's client state. This is uh this is what you know, a, a sort of a big the central plank of, of Russian or Kremlin foreign policy is is to encourage destabilization, wherever it can, in the belief that it that um, it, it benefits Russia. I mean, this is what it does in the EU. Uh, this is certainly what it does in the Middle East. And it's you know I was in Israel recently, and it was quite you know quite marked to me how the Israelis were very keen not to to upset the Russians because essentially they're the new players in the Middle East because the United States. Had, you know, is withdrawing. I think that um, Russia is quite happy to see uh, the U.S. get involved in, in, in a conflagration with Iran because it believes that anything that destabilizes the U.S. is good for Russia. They're quite zero sum about these things. Look, I mean, Russia was a big, 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 big player in Iran's nuclear program. It was building the Busheshra power reactor. It sells weapons to Iran.
0: But there is a limit to how far Putin's influence stretches.
1: Look, Iran doesn't have allies. There's one thing Iran's never had is allies. I mean, he was, you know, Libya was an ally and Syria was an ally. Libya is done. Syria is done. Syria is, in fact, now uh, a suck on Iranian resources. Russia is, I mean, the only sort of ally, major ally that they have. Russia, yeah, Russia, Russia has a lot of influence in Iran, but... You know, when the, when the regime thinks that it's facing a struggle for survival, which with the internal thing, not so much Soleimani, but with the internal demonstrations, it will do pretty much whatever it, it, it feels it has to do to stay in power. This is the raison d'etre of the Islamic Republic, after all.
0: So, what might come next? Will Iran shut down the Straits of Hormuz, through which much of the world's oil supplies travel?
1: <sighs> it's a very good question. I mean, the answer is, I don't think so. Look, I, I think what's stopping Iran from blocking the Straits of Hormuz is not Russian permission, but world reaction. Plus, don't forget, if Iran if Iran blocks the Straits of Hormuz, its own stuff can't get out. So that really is going to DEFCON 5. Uh, and look, I think the way that Iran has to respond, Iran has to, you know, the Ayatollah has, you know, Khamenei has said, you know, we will we'll inflict a severe revenge. Everyone in Iran is saying that we're going to revenge, we're going to avenge Soleimani's death. Now, autocratic states especially cannot cannot ever afford to lose face because once you lose face and your credibility is gone, your deterrence is gone, and then people can rise up against you. So Iran has backed itself into a position where it must act. So what Iran has to do is strike back in such a way that it appeases its population, it lives up to its rhetoric, but at the same time, it doesn't enrage the United States, which is difficult because you just don't know what Donald Trump is going to do. You just don't. Uh, he's volatile, he's unpredictable, and he's whimsical and impulsive. So it's a very, very difficult time for Iran.
0: Avenging Soleimani won't be so easy, although Iranian proxies throughout the Middle East and in Europe can hit soft targets. But World War Three, from the Iranian point of view, is not on the table. My conversation with David Petrokarakos then took a surprising turn. This podcast is about history, but we speculated a bit about Iran's future. No regime, even one as domestically powerful as the Islamic Republic of Iran, lasts forever.
1: It's one of the great tragedies of the modern of the modern age. Is what has happened to Iran, and you know, it is a very educated populace. Shiraz University is the MIT of the Middle East. When I was in Iran, you know, engineers were coming from from Europe to study engineering there because of because of the huge dams they have and how advanced they are in engineering and science. Uh, it is an educated populace. It's an educated populace that's far more pro-Western than most Arab countries. That has satellite TV. Um, that is yearning for more. So you know, I mean, once uh, the you know the people are unshackled by the regime, I think Iran is going to be a significant player. And look, it's geographically the organising principle of the Middle East. It's between the Straits of Hormuz and the Caspian Sea. Look at the countries it borders. So you know, I think in the coming century. Iran, as opposed to the Islamic Republic, will play a significant role in the region.
0: And that's all for this FRDH podcast. My thanks to David Patrick Karakos for taking time to speak with me. Once again, the name of his book is War in 140 Characters, and I recommend it. And this podcast isn't all Iran all the time. Please visit the website, www.goldfarbpod.com, where there is lots more to listen to on many different subjects. And while you're there please make a donation to keep the podcasts coming. Thanks.